This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. For your great name, for your presence here this morning as we have gathered here as your people to seek your power in our life, the power that you give us through Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for how many gifts that you give us day by day, for your presence with us as we walk through this world, keeping us, protecting us, leading us. And may we always, Lord, draw closer to you in all that we do and all that we are. And right now, Lord, that's what we are here for, to learn from you, to hear your voice, and to respond to your call for our life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Journey. I hope you are glad to be here. I am. And it's a great day to be in worship, isn't it? Every day is, but what a beautiful day. October 22nd, and look at the weather. I remember uh, coming close to Halloween when it was sleeting, snow and rain mixed. And uh, I hope I didn't jinx anything there, but anyway... (laughs) um, it's just uh, been a great couple of days, and it looks like we're going to have a, maybe rain tonight. But anyway, who, who knows? Welcome, and I hope you are ready to hear what God has to say to you. Not my words, but what God wants to say in your life. Um, and I say that because my first words are going to be about Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Isn't Fred a great guy, great character? And you have to know who he is no matter how old you are, right? I hope. (laughs) But one of the things about Fred Flintstone is that he liked to go bowling. And if you remember, and I don't know how many times this happened, it seems like to me it was at least every three or four episodes, Fred would, would go bowling and he'd have to go to his closet and get out his bowling ball. And do you know what happened when he opened the closet door? The closet is so full of junk that it all falls out around him. And finally, the bowling ball falls out and plops him on the head. Now, at some point, you'd you'd think that he'd wise up and not put the bowling ball on the top shelf. (laughs) But never. It was always the same thing. All this junk falls out and the bowling ball hits him in the head. Uh, To me, at least today, I want to use that as a picture for our lives because I think our lives, our closets are so full of junk that it keeps us from truly living the life that God wants to live. And that's what this is about today. Overbooked. We have too much. We are overbooked. We are overwhelmed by the the, the requirements of our life. We are over-involved. We're over-committed. Everything in our life has been poured out upon us. And so what that does is it makes us unravel. The very threads of our life are torn apart. We are unhinged when it comes to anything that happens in our life. We really can't handle it. And that leaves us feeling so unfulfilled and unsatisfied. But really it starts right here. We're overbooked. We've put too many things in the closet, and when it all comes out, it bops us in the head. 
And we got to deal with that. We have to learn how, we do, how to deal with that. Last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been talking about this. And uh, two weeks ago, especially, we started and we talked about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that you may demonstrate what the will of God is. God's good and beneficial and complete will. Now, we might want to talk about the Puritans a little bit. They, they took this verse and took it very literally and tried to say that, okay, not to be conformed to this world means that we dress a certain way. We only wear black and white, and they have to be long, uh, covering every particular skin item on our body. Or sometimes we've taken this to the extreme of saying, not being conformed to this world means that we don't do those things that they do. You know, there's some truth in there a little bit, but there's more than that. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing this passage, he's talking about something more than just the external. He's talking about the values of our life. He's talking about the priorities of our life, and that's what today I really want to deal with. What are our values? What are our priorities? What are the things that we really use in our life in order to progress the things that we want to see as valuable and as our goals. And I think that our problem is, just like Fred Flintstone, there is so much junk in our closets that we can't sort through all this stuff in order to actually find the valuable things in our life. And I am talking about the junk that we had, the literal, physical junk. I'm sure if your house is anything like mine, no matter how big your house is, it always fills up. You can get a, a huge house, and, and pretty soon it's overflowing with junk, or a small house, same way, and you have to put a garage out back, or go rent a uh, storage space or something. We have so much junk, and it's ridiculous. We don't need that junk, but it's beyond that. It's also the junk that's in our daily lives, the junk that keeps confronting us, all the stuff that really takes away from life. And we really have to learn how to sort through all that and get, basically to get rid of it in order that we can concentrate on truly living. That's what God wants for us is to truly live, not just to get by from day to day, not to sort through junk, but to find the life that God has for us to live. So today I want to talk about the priorities of our life. And I hope that... Uh, the priorities are not keeping up with the Joneses, that old phrase. And, and that might be part of the problem, that we do look at somebody else and we say, oh, yeah, I want that. But I, I think it's more than that. I think, we, yeah, we look at the Joneses, but we also look at the Smiths and the Carters and whoever else, and we put them all together. So it's not just that we're trying to keep up with one person, but we're trying to keep up with everybody around us. It's like a competition, and again, it leads to this. We're overbooked. We're overextended. We're overwhelmed by all of this stuff. And we don't need to be. So here's what our problem is. First, we have false expectations. And sometimes those are put on us by others. They expect certain things from us. Or maybe we put them on ourselves. And I just want to say that they are false. They are they're something that we don't have to do. And yet, in our minds, we think we do. I think we have a false direction. 
that we're focusing on the wrong thing, we're going down the wrong road, we're walking the wrong way, and so also the false pursuits. We think that if we go after the same thing that we see everybody else going after, eventually we'll find something, we'll find happiness, we'll find life. And I don't think it works that way. I think we're going to find ourselves being more empty, more confused, more overwhelmed and overbooked. So, what's the solution to this? Three things I want to deal with today. It's to concentrate on our goals, to maintain focus, and to keep the first thing first. Now, if you uh, go on the internet and Google some things about time management, this is some of the stuff is exactly what you'll say here. I want to relate this to what it means for us as disciples of Jesus Christ, how we focus our lives around who God wants us to be, and how we live our lives in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. I want to use a passage from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, and we were here last week in a little bit different section. Um, And maybe that says something right there. Jesus preached one Sermon on the Mount. And yet we we take little pieces and and because there's so much here, there's so much involved in what Jesus said. But exactly what he's dealing with is how he expects us to live in a world that is really going against God's ways. And there's so much practical advice here. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, and there's really three different sections to this passage, uh, but all dealing with... If you read this, I hope you see it right away, too. It's talking about the junk that's in our life and what we should do with it. So here, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Do not hoard your treasure on earth, where moth and rust can eat it up and where thieves can break in and steal it. Instead, store your treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can eat it up and where thieves can't steal it. For where your treasure is, there also will be your heart. The light of the body is the eye. So if the eye is generous, your whole body will radiate its life. But if your eye is greedy, your whole body will be darkened. Therefore, if what should be your light actually becomes your darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either you will disobey one and obey the other, or you will be devoted to one and disregard the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, we'll get to that word mammon, especially. That might confuse you. Hopefully, it's something you really don't know much about, Uh, although this passage uh, is probably a familiar one. But I want to start today by talking about the goals of our life, concentrating on our goals. What are our real values? What are you working for? I don't know if your boss wants to hear you answer this question or not. Um, They would want to say that you're working for them, aren't you? You're working in order to help them out. Uh, Or maybe we get a little bit more personal and say, I'm working for myself. I'm working to try to to increase my life. But here what Jesus is really saying is, work for God. There was an old bumper sticker years ago that you probably remember. 
but it just simply said, the one who dies with the most toys wins. It seems like that's the way we live. We're in this competition to see who can gather the most stuff. And if we're doing that, we'll never find the life that God wants to give us. If we're so focused on things, whatever they might be, we're going to miss out on life itself. Uh, so, you know, the new iPhone's coming out. You just got to have it, right? Or whatever gadget that might be there, Alexa, Roku, all the, all the extras for your TV, right? Well, we got to have that. Why? Why do we have to have all this stuff that really just gets in the way? Now, some of these things might be useful, but I think we, we overdo it. We crowd so much in, and I'm not sure why. It's just something that we're trying to do. Maybe it's uh, in competition with others. We're trying to show that we have achieved something. And one way to do that is by the things that we have, whether it's our cars or our clothes or whatever. Or if maybe it's recognition that we're looking for to show that we have gained something in life. We've arrived somewhere, and I think as long as we are trying to do that, we are going to miss out on what God has for us. Is life about fame and fortune? Those who seek it really end up the most miserable of all. And if we can really learn the lesson and truly seek what God has for our lives, I think we'll be better off. A couple states over, there's a farmer, farmer who's now retired, but when he was raising his kids, uh, there was a, a season, particular season, they had a wheat crop, and all, in fact, they live in a very small community, all the people around them all grew, had wheat farms, and usually they, they helped each other harvest the wheat. They had basically one harvester, and they would all work together, uh, but one season, it became so rainy that they were really worried about being able to get into the fields in order to harvest the wheat. Uh, and it was, if they left the wheat too long, it would ruin. They, and none of them would have anything. Well, it came out, it started to dry up. And so they all decided that it was going to be on this particular day that they were going to go out and harvest the wheat. Except that it was Sunday. And this particular farmer said, no, I'm not going to do it on Sunday. I take my kids to church on Sunday. We go to worship. That's our priority. You see, the farmer understood something there. He wasn't really in the business of raising wheat. He was in the business of raising kids. He knew what his real goal was. He knew what his real achievement in life would be about, and it worked for him. The time that he spent with his kids paid off. They grew up to live good, decent, wholesome lives. A couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, uh, I heard something. I was listening to a Christian radio station. A person was talking there, and I, I, he gave this suggestion. And at first I thought, that really sounds kind of kooky. I don't know if I want to do that. But the more that it's kind of sat with me, the more I think it might be something valuable there. And what he said was this. Imagine yourself lying in a hospital bed, you're going through your last few moments. Now, look around your bed. Who do you want to be standing there? Name eight people that you want to be standing around your hospital bed 
when you're about to die. And now, once you know those names, live your life now so that they will be there. Pour your life into those eight people. In fact, you could even go to those eight people and tell them, I want you to be one of those eight. Now, you might want to also tell them, I'm not planning on going anytime soon. I'm not sick. Don't worry about me right now. I think that might be something worthwhile. At least it shows where our priorities need to be. It shows us what the goal in life really is. Well, if we have our goal set, the second thing really is to maintain our focus. Jesus talked about the eye as the lamp, uh, or maybe an old phrase is saying, the eye is the window to the soul. And I think that works in, a, in several ways. We, we see into somebody's life, but also the way we look out through our windows really affects who we are, and it affects our soul. It, it affects our entire being. What do you look at? What do you focus on? Because if you're focusing on the wrong things, it's really going to tear apart anything else that you have. It really will undo the things that God has in your life. So in uh, Psalm 119, we read these words. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Worthless things. They didn't have TV back there, but I wonder if they would kind of mean that. Not everything, but I mean, do we really, (laughs) all the stuff that's on TV, how much of it really is worthless? Or what else could we say? All the stuff that really draws our attention, that takes our time, whether it's our our house, cleaning our house. Yeah, don't come and look the dust on my my house right now. the yard, taking care of the yard, I mean, very important thing. And we, these, this is work we have to do. But if it takes all of our focus, it's going to ruin everything else. Sometimes we get so caught up in how we look, our appearance, our clothes, or anything else, that it really distracts us from the main things. We need to maintain our focus. In First John, there is a... Uh, I think a very stirring passage of Scripture, uh, a command that John is giving us in talking about the difference that should be in our lives, the difference in the way that we live as disciples of Christ. And he, he says it like this, 1 John chapter 2, Do not love the world, nor anything that is in the world. For anyone, if, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Because everything in the world, and he gives us a list of three things now, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life does not come from the Father, but is from the world. The world and its lusts are passing away, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Now understand, the same guy who wrote this also wrote that most famous passage, that you probably know, maybe you're already thinking of. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Now, that's using the word world in two different ways. Yes, God loves the created order, the things that he has made. He loves us. But there is something that has crept into the world that is tearing it apart. And it's that that is also tearing our lives apart. It eats away at us. It takes away from everything that God wants to do in our life. And he lists those three things. And let's put different words on them. Lust is the first one. The second one would be better to say greed. So the first is our physical desires, the lust of the flesh. The second, the lust of the eyes is really greed. The things that we see, oh, I got to have that. And the third then is pride. Lust, pride, and greed. I've looked at these three things and tried to say, is there anything in, our, in the world, is there any problem, any sin that does not come from those three things? And I, I, don't, I can't find anything. I think what John has given us here is a comprehensive idea of what sin really is, of the problems in our life, that they come from these problems that we have with lust, greed, and pride. And so he says to this, get rid of those. Don't focus on those. Make sure those are not in your life. So, instead of focusing on the things around us, focus on people. In fact, um, there are really two things in this, in this world that are eternal. God made two things that are going to be eternal. One is us. He's given us eternal life. And the second is His Word. That's what we ought to focus on. Everything else is passing away. Everything else is no good. And so we can go on to say, focus on the temporal. Instead of focusing on the temporal, focus on the eternal. Instead of focusing on the physical, focus on the spiritual. Instead of focusing on the earthly, focus on the heavenly. Instead of focusing on the problem, focus on God. I think we, we do the first way too much, don't we? We get so caught up in the situation in which we in, we're in that we forget that God can solve that for us, that God can undo those problems. The issue is putting God first. Really coming to God and saying, Lord, you are first in my life. And so Jesus said this line, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is not even an English word, although, I mean, we brought it into English. But it's actually an Aramaic word, and it literally means wealth. But it was used as the name for a god that the Aramaic people worshipped. Just like in, in, the, in Greek pantheon, you might have Zeus and Athena and Apollo. The uh, Aramaics worshipped this god called mammon. And in fact, the, the Greeks also had a god named Plutus that they considered to be the God of wealth. And if you wanted to be rich, then you had to go worship this God and maybe he would bless you with riches. That's the same idea here. Mammon is really this idol. And exactly here, Jesus is saying, you can't serve these two things. You can't serve God and still go after the things of the world. It's not possible. 
There needs to be a change in our life when we truly recognize that putting God first is a change that makes us look at the, look at the world in a very different way. You know where it shows up the most? For any of us, you can take our checkbook and our calendars, and you can really see what our priorities are. What do you see when you look at those two things? Now, probably your mortgage is your number one bill, (laughs) and that's not what I mean. But it's what do we really value? What do we really prioritize in our life? How are we putting it all together? Again, with the Apostle Paul, he said it this way, Since you have been raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek what is above, not what is on the earth. Yes, we have to make a life. We have to care for the people around us and the things in our world But where is our priority? Are we truly about serving God? What do we want to see happen in our life and in this world? We need to set a goal toward that and focus on that goal and then keep walking toward that goal. The thing that we need probably more than anything else is this little trick that's called planned neglect. Planned neglect. Now, that's not much of a title anyway, but the idea here is that you're focusing on the thing that you want the most, the thing that you are desiring, the goal that's number one priority in your life, and you neglect everything else. Is that the way you work? It's really not the way I work. (laughs) Typically, for me anyway, I I try to handle all the little details in my life so that I can have time to do the things that I want to do, right? Right? It seems like this week God was trying to teach me a lesson. And I, I, as I'm working on this sermon, and, and especially here, talking about this point of putting things first, of neglecting the things that don't matter, well, the, 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 the text buzzes in, you know. Somebody sends me a text. Or I find out there's an email waiting for me. I got to go see what that email says. Or the phone rings, and I got to answer the phone, you know. All these things that keep disrupting us, distracting us from the main things, whether it's washing the dishes. <laughs> no, you've got to do that. <laughs> or cutting the grass. Again, yeah. But it seems like there are so many details that start to grab our attention that it t- takes away from the things that are really important in our life. So it's a matter of planned neglect there was a uh, concert pianist uh, a great pianist that you imagine uh, the things that he could do with the piano and then after a concert one time he had an interview some press were there and one person asked this question how is it that you became such a profound piano player what what did you do what was the process that you took? And he used this exact idea, really. And he said, I, when I first started practicing, there were so many other things that would distract me from playing the piano. And I, would, I feel, felt like I had to go take care of this or take care of that. And he said, finally, I learned that I, I wasn't spending enough time practicing. And so I said, I'm going to leave everything else alone until I have enough time practicing the piano. 
Then I can take care of what absolutely has to take care of, what we have to take care of. Plan neglect. There are so many things that, that really grab our attention but aren't important. Somebody created a phrase about this called the tyranny of the urgent. These things that confront us and say that they are so urgent, you must look at this now. But an hour from now, a day from now, a week from now, we find that wasn't really important at all. So put it aside. Concentrate on the goals. Focus. (laughs) Keep your focus. Maintain that focus. You know, not like a dog chasing a squirrel. (laughs) But maintain that focus. And keep the priorities in place. Who's in charge of your life really is the question that I want to ask you today. Are you in charge? Maybe is someone else really pulling the strings in your life? Or have you actually given everything over to God? Is greed your God or is God your God? That's what Jesus really is saying there. You can't serve both God and mammon. Is Jesus truly Lord of all? Or maybe to put it this way, because I think the way we approach God really (laughs) seems to show whether we think God is an idol or whether we realize how much he really is God himself. Do you serve God Or do you expect God to serve you? Now, I know that a lot of times my prayers are like, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, give me the strength to do this. But you see, I'm trying to get God to do my thing. The prophet Isaiah is an amazing example of someone who who did it the exact opposite way. God put out the call, who will go for us? Who shall I send? And Isaiah's answer was, here am I, send me. That's the difference in the way that we live our life. Not that we expect God to do all these little things for us, which by the way, he will. That's what last week was all about. Why do we worry about all these things? Why do we worry about food or clothes or anything else, all the details of our life? Because God will take care of it. Seek first God, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all those things God will take care of. So what's our priority? A couple of suggestions I want to give you today. First, to put God first in our life would mean that we are spending time alone with God. That we have daily time in which we commune with God. Daily devotional, we call it. And I was thinking, I don't remember us talking about this recently, maybe months. And yet, even for me to say that, it, it, it seems like I want to say, oh yeah, here we go again. We're going to talk about this. Yeah, I am. Because it really is one of the most important things. Martin Luther, great reformer that really shaped our, our modern <laughs> church life. And this was, he's 500 years dead now, but uh, he really shaped everything about us. And he said, prayer is like breath. Just as you can't live without breathing, a Christian cannot live without praying. It's who we are. 
to seek God's presence in our life. Also, Martin Luther said, and you can imagine all that he did, uh, he said, I have so much to do that I must wake up every morning and spend three hours in prayer. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you do that. <laughs> but that was his, his emphasis, his focus to show how much was there. Time alone with God. Second, I want to say, Sabbath. Sabbath is a very important principle in the Bible. That we take some time and we stop all the stuff that we do. And we simply seek God out. A Sabbath day. You might remember the film decades ago, Chariots of Fire, about a Jewish man who's in the Olympics. And they assigned him to run on a Saturday. And he said, I can't run. It was the Sabbath. will not go against God's law of the Sabbath. And they actually changed the rules on the Olympics to allow him to participate a different race, a different time. They made an allowance for that. He stood up for a principle, a value in his life. And I'm not, not sure that we have <laughs> that same kind of value for us. And I'm not saying for us as Christians, uh, Sabbath does not have to be a particular day. We're not saying that on a certain day always that this must be the case. But it is saying that there needs to be a time when we just stop. Stop everything. And we come together, family, and we say, hey, this is God's time. This is when we recognize what God has provided for us. It helps us recognize that I'm not in control of my life. God is. I can't work hard enough in order to meet all my needs, but God will supply my needs. Well, third, family. Family is important, right? Hopefully you agree. So, what about family time? Dinner every night. You sit around the dinner table. Maybe you start with grace. Very nice. I want to extend that. In fact, you can uh, extend it by using the old Jewish formula. Pray at the beginning, but also pray at the end. And all through the meal, actually sit there and talk with one another. How was your day? What's happening? How did you see God at work in your day today? What do you need What do you want to ask God for? Now, I imagine I can already hear what you're saying. Yeah, I can't do that. There is so much going on. There are so many things that are pulling us away. Yeah, that's why we're doing this. We're overbooked. Tell the soccer coach you cannot go to practice that night. You have family time. Or on Sunday morning or whenever it is. Some of these things have to go because there is something more valuable that we are seeking in our life. Right? Something that we are trying to build into our children, into our world. Worship. Hopefully worship is a value for you, and you want to be here week after week. And I know sometimes you can't be here. You have to be someplace else. But that coming together as God's people, that's another command of Scripture. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That we gather here to worship God you might notice that I separated Sabbath from worship. They're really two different ideas. But anyway, we'll talk about that some other time. But also that we are living our lives for something. 
something here that at Journey we call serving big. We're about trying to reach out to others. Not that everything is hoarded for ourselves, but that we are actively trying to reach out and find what God wants for our world so that it's not a matter of uh, what do we want to go out and buy, (laughs) where we're going to go have lunch, what movie we're going to go see, but it's about how we can help other people. Jesus calls us to live lives that are different from the rest of the world. Different in the sense that our values are different. Our priorities are different. What we want out of life is different because we know that God has the answers for us. I think our our biggest challenge as Christians is that we try to cram so many things in our life that we miss out on God. We include this little piece and this little piece, and God just becomes one of those other little pieces in there so that, you know, we attend Sunday morning worship and we do this other thing and this other thing. And none of those things might be bad pursuits, but we have to learn how to prioritize and say, this is the most important one, and this is what I will do. This is what I will stay. This is how I will find the life that God wants to give me. So are you overbooked? I bet we all are. Are your closets full of junk? I bet they all are. And it's not just the junk that's there. But it's what we think about the junk. Is that really the priority of our life? Or is God truly Lord of all that we will serve him? And when he calls us, we will say, here am I, send me. Stand with me and let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for what you do for us, what you do in us, all the things in our life. And so many things, Lord, seem to pull us away from you. Help us to realize what those are and to get rid of them, to take them out, throw them away, so that we can truly find the life that you want to give us. Thank you, Father, for your presence here, for your power at work within us, that we can hear your voice and respond to you and, and gather in love with one another. In Jesus' name we pray.